This morning, we're going to be talking about breaking bread. And let me put this into context. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We've been talking about rethink church, right? And what church looks like, what God intends for it. And we're looking at the actions and attitudes of the early church. We've already talked about the apostles' teaching, that discipleship is really more caught than taught. And we look around for role models, and God wants us to be role models ourselves. And I believe that every Christian should, either, should be both kind of reaching up and reaching down, so to speak. Our posture should be like this. We follow someone who's a little bit further down the road, and we help someone who may be a little bit, not so much behind us, but just growing in their faith. So we kind of have this posture, okay? And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we talked about fellowship. And you guys were so animated and so into fellowship and connecting with other. I had to rein you in and make you sit down again. But that was good. That's a good memory for me. Uh, Just connecting with each other and what true fellowship, what community looks like. This morning, we're going to talk about breaking bread, what that really looks like. Now, typical uh, connotation of breaking bread is is sharing a meal. And uh, we think about that. This, that's what the early church did. I mean, bread was kind of a staple uh, in their diet. It wasn't super exotic. It was just kind of like pita flatbread that we uh, would uh, pick up in stores today. And it wasn't very fancy, but it was kind of the basic part of the the Mediterranean diet back then. But the idea of breaking bread together, and Jesus modeled that. We'll be talking about that in a few minutes as we enter into communion, what that means. But these folks were so overwhelmed by meeting Jesus and encountering him and having him change them from the inside out, they gladly got in the habit of hanging out together and sharing meals together. There's something about sharing a meal together, whether it's a cup of coffee all the way to a buffet or anywhere in between. There's something about that that I think is a, is a spiritual thing. Now, you, you could look at my physique and say, wow, Rick, you must worship a lot at the table, and I do. Uh, last night was an amazing feast had as we celebrated uh, Henry and Judy's wedding and uh, Bob and Judy Collinville, all the people in the cooks, uh, we've given them the day off today because they're so tired from working three days to feed us. But that eating is a spiritual experience, sharing a meal. There's something about that that lowers barriers between people. And generally, you eat with people, you, we eat with the people we want to eat with. Yes or no? Generally, right? There's some people we have to eat with, or, but generally we choose the people that we want to eat with, right? And if you're going to invite someone for a meal, whether you're going out to share a meal or have them into your home, it's someone that you intentionally want to share time with, right? So it's all about building relationships and being intentional in that way. There's a huge difference between what we call hospitality 
and entertaining. Let me comment on that just a little bit. We're commanded in the New Testament to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay? God puts tremendous value on hospitality. Why? Because God is the ultimate hospitality expert. Even right from, right from the get-go in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, God creates a special place for him to connect with his creation, mankind. Now, all the animals are made and interesting, and, uh, but then Adam and Eve are created, and what does God like to do with them in the evening? What does he do? It's okay to spit out an answer. This is a question, not a rhetorical question, but... What does God do in the book of Genesis, in the Garden of Eden? I'm sorry? Yeah, they fellowship with each other. They hang out with each other. They walk together in the cool of the evening. You know, they, they hang out together. So God creates a space for himself to meet with us. That's the ultimate in hospitality, Right? Right from the get-go, God is into hospitality. And that's why we're commanded in the New Testament, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's interesting that Peter threw that in there. Maybe he was familiar with the, oh, I've got to have so-and-so over again, and, oh, you know, kind of endure this, without grumbling. And that culture was known for its hospitality. And some cultures are more hospitable than others. And I think in North America, we get confused with entertaining people versus hospitality. There's so much emphasis on how to make the table spread just exactly right. And, um, you know, just everything is perfect. Sometimes eating a meal with someone else becomes... Um, it's an exercise in, in perfectionism and performance. And that's not God's desire for hospitality. But here's an example of what we uh, get caught up in. I'm reading this from a, a blog I found on the difference between entertaining and hospitality. So listen carefully. Entertaining involves setting the perfect tablescape after an exhaustive search on Pinterest it chooses a menu that will impress and then frets its way through each stage of preparation. It requires every throw pillow to be in place, every cobweb to be eradicated, every child to be neat and orderly. Good luck with that. It plans extra time to don the perfect outfit before the first guest touches the doorbell in the seasonally decorated doorstep. And should any element of the plan fall short... Entertaining perceives the entire evening to have been tainted. Entertaining focuses attention on self. Okay? Hospitality involves setting a table that makes everyone feel comfortable. It chooses a menu that allows FaceTime with guests instead of being chained to the cooktop. It picks up the house to make things pleasant, but doesn't feel the need to conceal evidences of everyday life. Have you ever hid anything in the dryer when company's coming? <laughs> Little household secret. I won't check your dryer when I come to visit you, okay? Because we know. 
Hospitality sometimes sits down to dinner with flour in its hair. It allows the gathering to be shaped by the quality of the conversation rather than the cuisine. That's especially true if I'm doing the cooking. Um, Hospitality shows interest in the thoughts, feelings, pursuits, and preferences of its guests. It's good at asking questions and listening intently to answers. Hospitality focuses attention on others. So you see the, the difference? Entertaining's about me. Hospitality, I make it about you and us. Entertaining, entertainment's always thinking about the next course. Hospitality burns the rolls because it was listening to a story. Entertaining, exhausted, says, Oh, it was nothing, really. And hospitality thinks it was nothing, really. Entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. Let's just sit on that for a minute. Entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. When Luann and I were church planning, we would often have people into our home and try to make a connection with them. And one time we had this couple that subtly, I didn't let on, but subtly I was really trying to impress them, really trying to connect. And say, oh, please, please, please stay at our church. It's going to be awesome. Just please. And Luann, I mean, she's always great with whatever we're going to eat. Never, have to, It was a really nice meal and a nice setting and one of our children, I won't tell you who, who is just getting into toilet training and doing really well, came up to the husband and said, my daddy goes pee-pee and poo-poo. And then he walks away. <laughs> I thought, well, that was certainly entertaining. That wasn't exactly impressive, but isn't it great? He's turning into a human being that can function on his own. I go like, Ugh. what that did, it just really broke the ice one way or the other. And we still chuckle about that, but... That helped me say, Rick, it's not about performing or impressing anybody. I guess we could impress people with toilet-trained children. That's something. But it just took away all the pretense, right? And so God's desire for us is to be hospitable with each other. Now, how we do that, we need to create a space for other people. Hospitality is really about making space for people in our lives, right? We literally have to clear space on our schedule and maybe clear space in our home so they have a place to sit on the couch or whatever. We have to make space for people. Now think about this. At the beginning of time, back in Genesis, God made space for Adam and Eve. He would make space. And he taught them, said, I, it's not about performance. I just want to know you, and I want you to know me. So God invites us into that space. He makes space for people, right? If we're going to be hospitable people, as God wants us to, and I think we get so much benefit out of hospitality. If we lose the bondage to entertaining, lose the bondage to having to have everything just be just so, we make space in our lives for God as well. I think we, he wants us to create kind of a garden, a quiet place in our lives where we can invite him in. At the core of our being, what we need to be healthy human beings is a quiet space inside that won't be bombarded by 
this stuff here, whatever pops up in your cell phone or whatever other images or messages are, are, we're being bombarded with, he wants us to preserve a quiet place so we can be with him. And we can actually invite God into our lives. In a few minutes, we're going to be celebrating communion. And that's an opportunity for God and us to sit down and have a meal together. It's a symbolic meal. It's, to be honest, it's from the calorie. If you're counting calories, it's hardly even a snack, right? But it's a symbolic meal that we share together. And God wants us to prepare our hearts in advance to carve out some space for him, make space for him, because he's made space for us. Now, I confess, sometimes when I want to meet with God, it's not in my quiet space. It's like somewhere over here. You know, God, I need an answer to this. Or a professional, one of the professional challenges of being a pastor, if you're preparing messages, is, uh, God, I need to understand this detail so I can explain it to people so I can get paid and keep my job and that, you know, I've got to deliver, so please explain that. Or God, could you please help me with this problem over here? And it's perfectly legit to pray and ask for wisdom and stuff. But God wants us to make a space at this of our lives for him. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we can offer him hospitality. In a few minutes as we take communion, uh, I'm going to ask you to come. Uh, well, we'll be spread out in four stations around the sanctuary. And I want you, as you come forward, as you um, tear a piece of... Uh, we have Bannock this morning. I thought you'd be thrilled with that because it's Winnipeg. As you tear off a piece of bread and take the cup and go back and sit down, and we'll all share it together at the end, I want you just to think about imagining, I wonder what it would be like to have lunch with Jesus today. What would we talk about? How would I feel what would I say? What would he say to me? It's an opportunity to have a meal with Jesus today. He's making space for us, and he's asking us to make space for him today. Now, this may sound remarkably simple, but it's also deeply profound. And as we try to practice this, maybe we've never really done it before, but as we try to practice this, this threatens to be transformative. This threatens to totally change the way we perceive Jesus. As someone who actually wants to be with us, so we want to be with him. This is risky stuff. I'm sorry, I should have put a warning label on this sermon. Because if you follow Jesus, if you pursue him with your whole heart, he's going to change things. For the better, but the change will be scary. Because nobody likes change. Not even wet babies. They don't even like change. But, as we make space for this spiritual friendship that Jesus wants to have with us, He's going to start changing the way we look at people, the way we look at ourselves, the way we look at the world. And that's much needed change. 
And the early church understood that. All of these people were developing spiritual friendships with each other as they broke bread together, literally sharing a meal. This week, I want us to think about the difference between entertaining and hospitality. Remember, entertaining seeks to impress. Hospitality seeks to bless. Now, it's interesting. You can have a really beautiful meal and a wonderful atmosphere And you can have a host or hostess who looks exactly the same on the outside, but inside it all boils down to motives. Why am I doing this? Am I preparing this wonderful meal and beautiful environment to share this meal in? Am I doing it because I genuinely want to bless people? Or am I secretly hoping, wow, I bet they're going to pin that to their Pinterest board. They're going to go home and rave about it. And I'm going to show them I'm so much better than they are at pulling off a meal or whatever. Our our motives are often mixed, right? Because we're not yet perfect human beings. And I don't want anyone to pull away from, well, I don't know if I could pull that off. So I think I'll shrink back. Remember, it's about our motives for doing things. And of course, if we want to bless people, of course we want to make sure, you know, the meal is good and healthy and clean and all these things. But when we turn hospitality into performance, everybody loses. Nobody wins. So hospitality isn't about performance. It's about blessing people. Generally, every Sunday afternoon, just after the service, there are a bunch of people offering hospitality to each other at McDonald's over in Sherbrooke. They're making space for each other in their people's lives. And I know because they've taken me in sometimes. But sometimes if I'm free after the service, I wander over there and share a cup of coffee in conversation. And these folks are gracious enough to make space for me, of all people. It's a very welcoming environment. And I'm sure anyone here could... Dave, they could just invite themselves, eh? That'd be good. Yeah, okay. Dave's giving me the thumbs up from the back. You're all invited. Maybe not all at once, but that would be kind of cool if we could just kind of take over McDonald's, right? It's those crazy church people from down the street. But that's an example of how it can be fairly simple to offer hospitality. It can be as simple as going out for a cup of coffee or having someone over for a meal or whatever. And remember, it's not about impressing people. It's seeking to bless so your assignment, our assignment, should you choose to accept it or not, for the next two weeks, in the next two weeks, I encourage everyone here to seek to offer hospitality to at least one person that you do not know well. Okay? You do not know well. Immediate family doesn't count. Even that weird uncle that nobody wants. You know, I'm just saying, someone that you don't know well, Okay? could be a cup of coffee. could be going out somewhere. Or it could be hosting them in your home. I encourage you to do that because that's what breaking bread is about. It's about making space in our lives for other people. It's not about entertaining. It's about offering hospitality. Because the hospitality is the essence of spiritual friendship with people. We need spiritual friends. Hospitality is the essence of spiritual friendship. 
that's what made the church in the New Testament so powerful because they were just breaking bread together. And I think there's something about breaking bread. Uh, Jesus taught us to do it, and, and it's another euphemism for um, uh, communion, what we're going to do here. But he taught the, the night before he was betrayed, he, he, he literally, well, he did this, right? He tore bread. That was impressive. It was pre-cut. Um, I can't do this with a phone book of any size, okay? But he broke it, and he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And every time people did that afterwards, they remembered, oh, yeah, remember what Jesus said? And there's something about that that makes us grateful for what Jesus has done for us, right? It's just a simple act of breaking bread together. Nothing more complicated than that. So every time you break bread, there, there's a kind of a running joke in the, the church I grew up with. They're like, how much does a meal have to cost before you have to say grace? Well, you know, if it's over a certain amount, well then, whatever, you know. Even a cup of coffee or a glass of cold water in the name of Jesus, that you're, you're breaking bread, you're sharing something, you're sharing life together. And God thinks that's beautiful because we need spiritual friends. So as we break bread together, what I want to encourage us today is to make space in our hearts, first of all, for God. If we make space in our hearts for God, then we'll have space in our hearts for other people, right? But if we're not making space in our hearts for God, if we're kind of like, God, I'm just going to keep you at arm's length, then we, we miss out on the whole opportunity of what it actually means to know and experience Jesus, which is a terrible shame, right? It's a terrible shame. And even when we share communion this morning, it's not about a religious performance. It's not about who stands where or if someone manages to cover all the plates properly or if we, you know, file up and file out. And Now, we actually, we do have a plan this morning. Let me reassure you, we do have a plan. But it's not about performance. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not about looking good. We judge people on appearances so much. And that is, it's a shame. It's actually an abomination. But it, it's just a shame for just judging people and, and, and saying and rating, well, church was this today or that today. We should always be evaluating, discerning, but just, just judging for the sake of judging and appearances is not helpful at all. And what God wants us to do is he invites us to be hospitable and connect with us. That's his desire for us. Why do you think God went to all the trouble of becoming a human being and being coming one of us and the anguish of being killed by his own creation and then Jesus coming back for the dead why did he bother to do that if he wasn't concerned about a relationship with us right when we celebrate communion when we share this together if we enter into it with grateful hearts and saying Lord thank you for this connection be real to me 
hopefully it will lead us into connection with others as well and saying, okay, Lord, who do you want me to connect with? Who do you want me to become spiritual friends with? That's what it should lead to. And there's something powerful that we don't realize as we share communion because in some way or form, the Christian church around the world does the same thing. They might call it communion or the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or some other thing. Some churches do it every week. They wouldn't want to miss it. Some churches do it once a month, approximately, like we do. Some churches do it once a year. But the thing is, we do it regularly. And why? Okay, for all the ladies who wanted a tablecloth, and I understand we generally have a tablecloth, but I wanted this the table bare this morning. This do in remembrance of me. You like the visual? We arranged it just for you this morning. This do in remembrance of me. So we're doing it to remember what Jesus did for us. Of course. Why do we have to do it so often? Because we forget. <laughs> right? That's, that's human nature. It's easy for us just to, uh, just to forget and uh, kind of lose track of what's important. But as we share communion this morning, my invitation to us, and God's invitation to us actually, is to make space for him in our lives. Just maintain that special spot where you regularly connect with God, whatever your habit is. Regularly connect with God. And out of that space, God will create a space for other people. Okay? And make space in your lives for other people, especially those who follow Jesus as well. And you will find such richness there. Such richness. Because we are not built to be islands. We're not built to have these little walls around us and private fortresses. Jesus wants to come in and break down those barriers and especially break down those barriers between each one of us. So my encouragement to you, if you have barriers up against a person, that might be God's indication saying, okay, God, where do I start? Maybe you start with someone that you struggle with a little bit. And as I was saying last Sunday, seek to understand more than to be understood yourself. Go with that kind of attitude. Jesus came to us when we were in dire straits, when we were in rebellion and doing this to him, and yet he came to us. And how do we respond? We invite him. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I pray that you would bless this meal, that we would bless communion this morning. Make us aware of relationships that we need to work on and develop and, and relationships that we want to strengthen and maintain. Thank you that you are a relational God, that you put such emphasis and value on the quality of our relationships. And as you invite us into spiritual friendship, help us to take advantage of opportunities to break bread with each other and with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.